All healthcare professionals participating in this podcast are paid consultants of Johnson & Johnson Surgical Vision Incorporated. The content of this podcast represents the views and experiences of the speaker and not Johnson & Johnson and is intended for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome to this episode of Fine-Tuned. My name is Rana Jaraha, and today we will be speaking with Dr. Daniel Chang. Dr. Chang is a cataract and refractive surgeon, as well as the clinic research director at Empire Eye and Laser Center in Bakersfield, California. He has been involved in extensive research in monofocal, toric, and presbyopia correcting IOLs, ranging from preclinical work to U.S. FDA clinical trials. Dr. Chang contributes regularly to articles and publications on refractive surgery and advanced intraocular lenses and is a frequent lecturer on topics of optics and vision correction. Dr. Chang, thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me, Raina. So let's jump right in. You recently authored a review examining violet and blue light and how high energy light can impact our vision and health. Blue and violet light have traditionally been lumped together under the term high energy light, but there are differences. Will you start us off by explaining what the difference is between blue and violet light? Sure. The color of light can be tricky to define because, as you know, color spans a continuous spectrum and could be comprised of single or multiple different wavelengths. We tend to describe color with general and somewhat vague words like red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet. For example, the words purple and violet are frequently used interchangeably. However, purple is actually the combination of red and blue, while violet describes light with wavelengths shorter than 460 nanometers. The reason violet looks purple is because the red or L cones in our eyes have a secondary absorption peak overlapping the blue or S cones in the violet spectrum range. If describing light simply by its color is vague, using the broader term high energy light to describe the entire range of blue light and violet light is even more ambiguous. The problem is when considering the effect of blue light and violet light on the eye, each color and even each distinct visible spectral category within each color has discernibly different positive and negative effects that impact vision, ocular health, and even systemic health. What we found is by improving specificity when studying high energy light, we can more accurately differentiate and characterize each wavelength range within the visible light spectrum. So let's back up a little bit. What are these ranges of light and why do they matter? Good questions. Thinking of color light in terms of wavelength range does add a good level of specificity to the discussion. ISO defines violet light as ranging from a wavelength of 380 nanometers to 460 nanometers. Blue light ranges from 460 nanometers to 500 nanometers, above which it becomes green. Of all visible light, violet has the shortest wavelength and thus the highest frequency and the highest amount of transmitted energy. Most of our world is illuminated by white light, which is actually a combination of individual spectral light colors. These days, LED lights predominate artificial lighting. Although we perceive different light sources as white, LED lights have a different emission spectrum than incandescent and halogen lights. Specifically, LED lights emit a dominant wavelength in the 450 to 470 nanometer, that's blue light range, which is near the peak sensitivity for the melanopsin system, an important contributor to circadian rhythm. Given the recent and dramatic changes in our environmental lighting, my colleagues and I wanted to look at the possible impact that specific high energy wavelengths can have on ocular tissue and general health. Based on our review of the literature, we grouped the potential impact of high energy light into three areas. Number one, visual quality and function. Number two, phototoxicity. And number three, 
circadian rhythm, and physiological function. Within the most important area of visual quality and function, we noted three subcomponents, scotopic vision, chromatic aberration, and light scatter and contrast sensitivity. How does blue and violet light impact our visual quality? From a visual quality and function standpoint, we have to think beyond the photopic high contrast Snellen vision that we're used to testing in the exam room. When you reduce illumination like in many low light conditions in the real world, blue light becomes an increasingly important component of vision. In fact, blue light accounts for 35% of scotopic vision. Additionally, blue and violet light can be a major contributor to blur due to chromatic aberration. Depending on the base material, IOLs can vary in dispersion or chromatic aberration by up to threefold. In fact, there are IOLs that have to use chromophores and apodized diffractive optics to try and mitigate excess chromatic aberration. Finally, both blue and especially violet light cause significant scatter, contributing disproportionately to glare, halos, and loss of contrast, particularly in low light conditions. The second area is phototoxicity. Phototoxicity occurs when light energy interacts with retinal tissue and forms reactive oxygen species and other free radicals which can cause damage to the retina. While all high energy light can contribute to phototoxicity, the higher energy violet light is more damaging than blue light. Furthermore, violet light contributes less to visual quality than blue light. Therefore, when it comes time to decide what wavelengths to keep and what wavelengths to toss, it would make sense to filter violet light and keep blue light. We can get even more granular with specific wavelengths, but suffice it to say that if we just considered all high energy light together, we would not be able to filter out the especially damaging light while still maintaining light that is important to vision. You mentioned that we need blue light for other things. Can you expound on that? Most importantly, blue light contributes to visual quality and contrast, particularly in low light situations. Beyond that, blue light also acts to entrain our circadian rhythm. Blue light stimulates intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells, IPRGCs, to release melanopsin. Melanopsin inhibits the release of melatonin, which is an important hormone in the regulation of sleep. Therefore, when we wake up in the morning and get blue light, IPRGCs are stimulated, melanopsin is released, melatonin is inhibited, and we become more wakeful. The reverse happens in the evening. Less blue light reduces IPRGC stimulation, melanopsin is inhibited, melatonin is released, and we can naturally fall asleep. Remember, not only do we need blue light for a healthy circadian rhythm, we must also be able to sense a variation of blue light to help entrain our circadian rhythm. That's why software that reduces the amount of blue light emitted from our electronic devices can be an important supplement to maintaining our eyes' ability to see blue light. Additionally, blue light becomes increasingly important as we age and have trouble sleeping. The continuing cycle of daily blue light can help us to keep our circadian rhythm in sync. The other thing about aging is quality of vision, particularly in low light conditions. Elderly people are getting up out of bed more often and going to the bathroom in the middle of the night in scotopic lighting conditions. We want our patients to see the best they can during this time so they don't trip and fall. Absolutely. So how does all this connect to cataract surgery? The primary reason that we remove cataracts is because of their impact on light transmission, specifically in terms of focus, clarity, and color. We've traditionally replaced the lens with a clear and colorless IOL. Now that we are looking at color filtering technology, our primary goal should still be to maximize visual quality under all lighting conditions. Therefore, as we filter out known harmful wavelengths, it is important that we not block wavelengths that are important to vision and health. It is better to filter less because we can always add sunglasses when lighting conditions warrant it. When it comes to chromophores, in the same way that the term high energy is too broad when describing light, the color yellow is too broad when describing chromophore absorption spectra. Labeling a chromophore as blue light filtering or violet light filtering is a step in the right direction. Also, important is the slope of the chromophore's absorption curve. 
A chromophore with a steep slope can provide much better light filtering specificity than one with a shallow slope. Now that we have violet light filtering technology on IOLs, what are the benefits relative to the effect on visual quality? Violet light is most sensitive to chromatic aberration, has the greatest propensity to scatter, and carries the highest risk of phototoxicity. Further, it contributes little to scotopic vision and has no influence on circadian rhythms. Therefore, in all three areas of visual quality and function, phototoxicity and circadian rhythm and physiological function, filtering violet light has many advantages and few disadvantages. Blue light is also sensitive to chromatic aberration, can also scatter, and can also cause phototoxicity, but less so than violet light in each of these areas. Furthermore, blue light is actually important to scotopic vision and is important to entrainment of the circadian rhythm. Therefore, blue light should not be filtered in IOLs, which remain in the eye under all lighting conditions, and would be better filtered in sunglasses, which can be removed when not needed. In a poster that I presented at Virtual AAO 2020, we looked at the performance of a violet light filtering IOL. In preclinical computer simulations, when compared with a commercially available shallow-sloped blue light filtering IOL, the steep-sloped violet light filtering IOL demonstrated greater scotopic visual function, similar phototoxicity protection, and superior melanopsin function. Furthermore, we presented a study of 240 patients implanted with either a violet light filtering IOL or a colorless IOL. Significantly more patients with a violet light filtering IOL reported no difficulty with driving at night as well as no frustration with vision as compared to the colorless IOL. These results are consistent with previously reported visual comfort improvement with short wavelength filtering lenses where participants reported a 29% reduction in halo intensity. Clearly, there are benefits to consider for light filtering IOLs. What's important is for the harmful light to be blocked and the helpful light that we need for good visual quality and overall health to be transmitted. How can clinicians apply this in their daily practices and what should we be considering as we move forward? First, learn about high energy light. Understand how it can impact vision and health and recognize that there are significant differences between violet and blue light. Second, simplify it, but don't oversimplify. Not all chromophores are created equally, so we do need to be careful not to group everything together and make assumptions based on generalities. Finally, remember that IOLs are not the only means of filtering light, but they are a constant and permanent layer of light filtration. Therefore, we should filter out the highest energy violet light that can be detrimental to visual quality and ocular health and keep the blue light that is important to scotopic vision and circadian rhythm maintenance. Thank you so much, Dr. Chang, for sharing your expertise and experience with us. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in for another episode of Fine Tune. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes.